So I want to welcome you once more to the presence of God. Continue to open up your heart and prepare your mind. Let it be opened. Let your heart be receptive. Even as we prepare to study the word of God. The Bible says he does not send his word in vain. But always come to fulfill that which he, has de- which he desires. And accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. This morning we believe the purpose of God will be fulfilled in this place. And the purpose of God will be fulfilled in this place. So Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing and your power. And we thank you for your peace. This peace which surpasses knowledge. This peace which surpasses understanding. Lord, we come against any deeds of the flesh. We come against any seeds of darkness that will try to cause confusion of your word. In the name of Jesus, oh Lord, let this word that comes out, comes with all power and authority as the Lord taught. The Bible says he did not teach like the Pharisees or the teachers of the law, but the word came with authority. It came with authority. Let your word come with authority this morning. Oh, let it divide our spirit from our soul so that our spirit and our soul even can receive your word that will be transformed from within outwards in the name of Jesus. That your glory is revealed in our lives. And all will see it together and know that indeed you are God. That indeed you're still the same yesterday and today and forevermore. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your glory. That has been revealed in our midst. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now Master Teacher. You are the teacher. No man can speak your word. Unless you enable them. This morning. Enable our spirits. To catch the revelation of your word. Enable our spirit to come into understanding of your ways. So that we can walk in it. That everything that you have for us. For this life. Will be fulfilled. To the praise of your glory we thank you that you have heard us that you always do hear us in jesus name in jesus name in jesus name amen and amen and amen thank you lord jesus thank you lord jesus thank you lord jesus so welcome um, once again to our, our Saturday morning teachings. Uh, so we do, we meet here every Saturday to study the word of God. And uh, uh, we, we've started a series that we have titled Laying the Foundation for Your Life. God's Blueprint for Building a Spirit Field and Fruitful Life in Christ Jesus. And uh, what we mean by this is that we want to understand what God's intent was for every person he on earth. What was God's original plan? And what did he give us access to that allows us to be able to build a fruitful life here? And what we mean by a fruitful life is that a life that is in line with the will of God for our lives. Because we do understand from scripture that to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And so, if you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have accepted accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, there is a purpose of God for your life. Even if you haven't, there's still a purpose of God for your life, but you have to come to know Him first before you can discover that purpose. But our goal is that with these teachings, we'll be able to uncover what God's original plan for man was. And to understand whether we we still have access to those things. 
What did God use to lay the foundation for for the world that we see now? What's the current state of it now? And then what can we do about it? Do we have access to what God gave access to Adam and Eve? That's what we want to uncover. And then after that, we're going to look at the principles that allows us to build a fruitful life. A fruitful life here on earth. And that's what, and that's what this teaching is about. That's what this series is about. And so we've, we've done about, I would say about eight sessions on this. And we're still on it. We're still on the introductory part. Uh, because there is a lot that we have to understand. We have to understand certain fundamental principles concerning the word of God concerning how to lay a foundation what is required to lay a foundation how can one build a foundation based on what the foundation has to be built on something how can we lay a foundation for our lives but we want to understand from creation standpoint what God did and what we can learn from it and then now looking forward what do we have access to now that allows us to be able to build a fruitful life and so um, we got to the place where we started discussing the spirits that are here in operation here on earth uh, but before before you know I I step into discussing that I, I want to lay um, some background here so that those of you who are joining us for the first time or you have not been with us for for a, a little uh, for a while, you can understand what, what we're discussing here. Uh, because if you don't understand what went before, it'll be very difficult to understand um, what we'll be discussing this morning. And so I want to lay some uh, fundamental um, things here for us, to, for us to understand. We did say that in order for anything to be built for longevity, it requires a good foundation. This is something that all of us can accept. It's a fundamental principle in life. If you want to build something that lasts, then you have to have a good foundation. And so what we're, what we're discovering is that God's word or God has laid out a specific blueprint in his word that allows us to be able to build a solid foundation for our lives. But that blueprint is what we termed principal things. We, we, we call it principal things because those were the things that God leveraged to set the foundation for life here on earth. Those were the things God leveraged to set the foundation for life here on earth. So for anything that will be done here on earth in accordance with the will of God, those things have to align with the two principal things that we're going to discuss briefly. God leveraged these two principal things to set the foundation for life here on earth. And not only that, but God gave access to these things. He gave man access to these things. So because of the access God gave each and every one of us, we expect that Whatever God's intent was, whatever God's plan was, we will also be able to build that for our lives. Because to each one of us, God has a plan for, for us. We, God has a plan for every person on the surface of this planet. 
But in order for you to build something in accordance with the will of God, what we're saying is that there is a principle that God has set in his word that if you can come to understanding of it, if you know how to work, walk in it, that you will see the manifestation of the glory of God in your life, which means that you will receive the benefits of what God intended for your life. And so we said that to build a solid foundation for your life here on earth, in the will of God, you have to understand this blueprint that we're going to discuss, what we call principles or fundamental truths that set the foundation for life here on earth. And said we call these things two principal things. And what we're saying is that God leveraged these things. The reason why these principal things are important is because God leveraged them to build the heavens and the earth as we know it. And so now, in order to see these two principal things, we reference a scripture. We went to the book of beginnings, Genesis 1, the verse 1 to 4. And so, if you have a Bible, you can turn with me, Genesis chapter 1, the verse 1, and we're going to read to the verse 4. So I read from the NIV version. The scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the reason why this scripture is so relevant to our, our topic, which is laying the foundation for, our, for, our, for your life, God's blueprint for building a spirit field and fruitful life in Christ. The reason why this is important is because we want to be able to build a solid foundation for our lives. And so if we want to build something, then we want to build it in accordance with the will of God, then we have to find out how God did things, how God built something, how God laid a foundation for anything that he built. Because we can learn from it. Because he's made known to us these things. If God reveals something to us through his word, then it means that he wants us to be able to apply it in our lives also. So this is why we're examining Genesis 1, because anything that cannot be proven by the word of God is not of God. So now let's go to the scripture. He said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the verse 2, he says, now the earth was formless, empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. So we do see that there was something happening to the earth at that point. The scripture says it was formless. Number 2, it was empty. And number three, there was darkness over it. But we see that that was not the only thing that was happening to the earth at that point. Let's look at the last phrase of the verse two. The scripture says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we did see something here. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we do see the spirit of God here. So I want you to hang on to that. Now let's come to the verse three. And God said, and God said, the scripture is telling us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then now he says, the earth at that, at some point was formless and empty and darkness was over it. And the first thing God did was to put his spirit to hover over the waters of the earth. And then the next thing he did in verse three, God said, when you say something, words come out. That's speaking. So God said, God spoke his word. What word did God speak? The scripture says, let there be light. And there was light. And the Bible says in the verse 4, God saw that the light was good. And he separated light from the darkness. Then in the verse 5, 
God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So this is the beginning of everything that God created. And if you read on, you're going to see in the verse 6, and God said. In the verse 9, and God said. And the verse 11, then God said. And the verse 14, and God said that everything that God created, he first spoke his word. So that should tell you something about the word of God. That the word of God is so important for anything that would be hap- that would happen here on earth in accordance with the will of God. And God said, even the creation of man, the verse 26, Genesis 1, the verse 26, it says, Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and, uh, and the birds in the air in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So even in the creation of man, God spoke a word. God spoke his word. So we do see two things here that allows us to understand what these principal things are. Because God was saying it, what we're saying is that God leveraged these principal things to set the foundation for life here on earth. And our theme is laying the foundation for your life. So if God leveraged these things to set the foundation for life here on earth, which means that once you can come into knowledge of these things and understand how these things work and apply it in your life, then you will bear fruit in accordance with the will of God. And we're going to see how that would happen. But what I want us to take notice here is the last part of the verse 2 and the first part of the verse 3. The last part of the verse 2, the phrase is, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we do see that the first thing God did when he wanted to transform the earth, which at that point was formless, empty, and dark, was to put his, he put his spirit over it. So we do see that in order for any foundation to be laid here on earth, in accordance with the will of God, number one, it requires the presence of the spirit of God. That's the first thing we do see here. Number two, the verse three, and God said, God saying something, we said, is God speaking his word, which means that The word of God plus the spirit of God is required for anything in the will of God to manifest here on earth. What does this mean? This means that if any person on the surface of this planet comes to the understanding of these two principal things, and these are the principal things we're talking about, the spirit of God and the word of God is what set the foundation for everything that is, that is here on earth. The heavens, the trees, everything that we see here on earth created by God was set in motion by the spirit of God and by the introduction of the word of God. This is why I, I went at length to look at all the different scriptures of the things God created. The verse says, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God spoke his word. So which means that all of these things would not have manifested without the word of God. That should tell us something. 
All these things were created in accordance with the will of God. Which means that in order for the will of God to be manifested in your life, number one, you need the Spirit of God. And number two, you need the Word of God. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why the gospel is so important. Because we do see in from, from the verse 1, Genesis 1 verse 1 to the verse 2, that even though the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters of the earth, yet the earth was still formless. It was still empty. And darkness was still over it. Even though the pres- there was the presence of the Spirit of God there. But nothing in the will of God manifested in the natural that we could see. And this explains why there is wickedness in the world. Because we have this term that God is omnipresent. And people ask questions that like, if there is a God, why would God look at kids being murdered? Why would God allow certain things that happen in the natural that we consider bad or wickedness? Why would that happen? And this explains why. Because the world have rejected the word of God. They have rejected the word of God. Even though the spirit of God is present here on earth. Even though there is a presence of the spirit of God here on earth. But the will of God will not necessarily be manifested here on earth without the word of God. And this explains also to me. Why you can have people who are born again, they have believed in Christ Jesus. And the Bible tells us that once you believe in Christ, the Spirit of God takes residence in you. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. If you have believed in Christ Jesus, that he died for your sins according to the scriptures, and you have made that confession of faith, that he was raised to life for for your justification, and you speak that with your mouth, the Bible says that you are born again. The Spirit of God comes to dwell inside of you. But the fact that that you have the Spirit of God in you does not necessarily mean that the glory of God will automatically be revealed in your life. Why? Because the presence of the Spirit of God alone does not mean that there will be the manifestation of the glory of God. The manifestation only happens when there is introduction of the Word of God. And this is what, what Genesis 1, the verse 1 to 4 tells us. The Scripture says, That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now he tells us the status of the earth before God transformed it. He said, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over it. So even though the spirit of God was hovering over the waters, yet the earth was still formless. It was still empty and was still dark. What happened? What transformed the earth? The verse 3. And God said, God saying something we said. Is God speaking his word? When God said, let there be light, that was when light was manifested. That was when creation began. And so you read the verse 6, as we said, highlighting this for for this to sink in. The verse 6, and God said. The verse 9, and God said. The verse 11, then God said. The verse 14, then and God said. The verse 20, and God said. The verse 24, and God said. The verse 26, then God said, everything God created, he had to release a specific word. So the presence of the spirit of God alone did not cause the manifestation of the will of God or the glory of God in the natural until the word was released. 
And so these two things have become the principal things that is required for the manifestation of the glory of God. If the glory of God will be revealed anywhere, number one, there has to be first the presence of the Spirit of God. This is why if anyone is born again, the first thing they receive is the Spirit of God in them. Because God wants to transform their life. And the first thing you need when God will transform, when God wants to transform your life is the Spirit of God. But the fact that you have received the Spirit of God does not necessarily mean that the glory of God will be revealed until you have come to know his word until you have applied his word and the word here for the sake of context i want i want us to understand this the verse 3 the scripture says and god said let there be light we do see that that was a specific word for the creation of day and night when god said let there be light the bible says there was light and the verse 4 even said, God saw that the light was good. Isn't that interesting? But even though God saw that the light was good, he did not stop there. I mean, this would have been a good place to stop. You say something and something good appears. But God did not stop there. And I want us to examine the latter part, uh, the, 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 the latter part of the, of the verse 4. Genesis 1, the verse 4. And I encourage you, if you have your Bible, even if, 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 if it's the app, I want you to follow me. Because as you read the scriptures for yourself, you will understand. The Holy Spirit would enlighten you. He said, and he separated the light from the darkness. The separation of light from darkness is an action. When you separate something, you're taking an action. So we do see, God did not only speak his word, but he also acted on his word. When he spoke the word, there was light. And the Bible says he saw that the light was good. But we do see God's intent was not just to create a light. was not just to create just light. He wanted to create a functional day and night. And in order, that the functional, in order for the functional day and night to become a reality, God needed to act on his word. And so the Bible says he separated light from darkness. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, God's original intent, God's will has fully manifested in a natural, in a functional way. Evening and morning the first day. So we do see, number one, the spoken word of God. Number two, the, what we call the specific word of God, which is the set of instructions or actions that you take. To bring that spoken word into full manifestation. That's the specific word of God. So God acted on a specific word. Specific instruction. And then we've got a functional day and night. Somebody may ask, how is this relevant to whatever we're discussing? The Bible tells us in Romans 10 verse 17. That faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. We've also understood from the teachings of the Apostle Paul to the church. In the book of Romans. In 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 book of uh, Hebrews, Hebrews eleven, uh, the verse the verse six, uh, verse three says that who uh, by faith we understand that the whole universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So, which means God created everything that we see in the natural by something that was invisible. That which was invisible was something in the spirit. 
This is why he put his spirit over the surface of the earth. So the presence of the spirit of God means that there is access to that which is of, of, of God in the spirit. So God gives you his spirit so that you can have access to the things of God. And how you can have access to the things of God is what we know now know as the new birth. So I want us to understand this basic principle. Once you can understand this, then you, can under, you will understand why certain people can see the manifestation of the glory of God in your life. Certain believers can see it and others don't. You would see, you will understand why. Because the word of God is true. The Bible says, let God be truthful and, truth, and, truthful, and every man and woman a liar. And the word of God is truth. So what we're seeing here is that, number one, before anything of God could manifest you on earth, the first thing God did was to speak his word. And when he spoke his word, he did not stop there. The Bible says he acted on the word. That is what we see in verse 3. And he separated light from darkness. The separation of light from darkness is an action. So, and God said, God spoke, and then he acted on the word. And what, what we're saying is that, how is this relevant? Because we understand from Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we know that the word of God is the source of faith. And God is a faith God. And the apostle Paul makes it known to us in Hebrews 11, verse 6 or 3, that we understand from by faith, we understand that the whole universe was formed at the word of God, not by things that are seen, but things that are unseen. And so, if God created the universe by faith, then when we see how God created the universe, it should show us the manifestation of faith, what we call faith. And we also understand from the teachings of the apostle James, in James 2, that faith without works is dead. And he gives a practical example of Abraham. Is that Abraham's faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by action. So having faith does not necessarily mean that the glory of God will manifest in your life. That faith has to be released. The releasing of your faith is what we call action. So now we do see that God created the universe first by putting his spirit over the surface of the earth. Number two, by the speaking of his word. Number three, by the action on his word. And what we're discussing is that these are fundamental principles that set the foundation for life here on earth. And we have named this the principal things. And what we're saying is that these two, these principal things are the spirit of God and the word of God. But this word of God is in three formats. There is the word you speak, there is the word you act on, and then when you have spoken and acted on the word of God, then the glory of God is manifested. That word then becomes a fulfilled word of God. And we see all of it in scripture. And what we see that that fulfilled word of God, there are two forms of it. There is the fulfilled word that has been fulfilled through Christ. That is what we call the promise. For instance, salvation. For instance, healing. For instance, prosperity. All these things have been fulfilled through Christ. And so Isaiah prophesied about it in Isaiah 53. That the Lord Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. 
that he was crushed for our iniquities, that the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his stripes we are healed. And I want you to take notice of how Isaiah spoke the word. He spoke it as though it had already happened. But when Isaiah was given that prophecy, Jesus was not even born. Jesus had not even come on the scene. So why did Isaiah speak as though the thing had already happened? Because what Isaiah saw was a revelation in the spirit. In the spirit, Jesus was already crucified. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, the Lamb of God who was crucified before the foundations of the earth. Before the earth was created, Jesus was already crucified. How do you know? How, 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 where, where did that happen? In the spirit. The things of the spirit happen before they are manifested in the natural. But what we're saying is that if something is in the spirit, in the will of God, if something is of God in the spirit, in order for that thing to become a reality in our realm, which is a natural realm, something has to translate it. And what translates those things that are in the spirit into manifestation in the natural is the word of God. This is why God tells us to go out and preach the gospel. Because we do have the term that there is a presence of the spirit of God everywhere. He's omnipresent. But even though there is a presence of the Spirit of God, the world is not seeing the manifestation of the glory of God. So he said, go preach the word because it is by the word that will translate the manifestation of the glory of God into the lives of people. So this is why go out and preach the gospel. Why? Because his spirit is here. But in order for that which is in the will of God, in order for there to be a manifestation of the spirit, there has to be the release of the word of God. And God set this principle up in creation. And we see its manifestation. Why the word is the source of faith. The word is the source of faith. So we read. And I want to turn your Bibles with me. I want to take my time because this. once you understand this teaching, then... Everything else that we're going to understand, you will get it. And it would completely transform your life. Just as it has transformed and continues to transform our life. So I want us to go to the book of John. John 1. So all these things that we're saying, we get a glimpse of light in John 1. We get a detailed light about, about this word in John 1. And I want you to pay attention to the verse where I said, in the beginning was the word. What beginning was he talking about? The beginning of the world. Or whatever beginning, you can put whatever because we don't have much light here. He said, in the beginning was the word. And I want you to take notice of this. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And now in the verse 2, he tells us that the word the verse 3, he tells us that the word is a person. Listen to this. He was with God in the beginning. So he's now equating the word to a person. The verse 3, through him, <laughs> through him, through who, who, who is him? The word. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now the verse 4. In him, in the word, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. So which means that for any person, any person who is going through a series of darkness in their lives, for, the, for, the present, for there to be a presence of the light of God, they have to come into the revelation of this life of God, which brings light. So the scripture, David saw this and he said, the entrance of his word giveth light. In Psalm 116, verse 130. 
He said, in him, in this word, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So I want you to now go back to Genesis 1. That this word, and God said, let there be light. The verse 6. And God said, let there be a vault. And the verse 9. And God said. The verse 11. Then God said. The verse 14. And God said. The verse 20. And God said. The verse 24. And God said. The verse 26. Then God said. That everything that was created. Was created by the word of God. And what the scripture is telling us. Is that this word is Christ Jesus. This is why elsewhere. The scripture tells us that Jesus is the firstborn of all that God created. The firstborn from all, from all creation. That I believe that the first word, and God said, let there be light. That was the introduction of Christ. So that word that was released was the releasing of our Lord Jesus here on earth. But because God is spirit and everything of God is of the spirit. So when you read just the book of Genesis... You would not know that that word and God said was Christ Jesus. This is why the Jews miss Jesus. Because the Bible says in the reading of the Old Testament, a veil lies on your heart. Because it is only in Christ Jesus that that veil is taken away. The Old Testament is types and shadows of what was to come. The full glimpse of the revelation of God is seen in the new. So without the spirit of God, you will not be able to come to the understanding of the revelations of the word of God. So what the spirit is making known to us this morning is that in order for anything to be transformed here on earth, it needs, number one, the presence of the spirit. Number two, it needs the word. And that word is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the living word of God because this scripture from Genesis to Revelation reveals Christ Jesus. This is why he says, in him, and I'm going to read a few more script verses in John 1 for you to understand this. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Confirming what we see in Genesis 1. The scripture says in verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And as we go on, in these teachings, you're going to see that darkness was the manifestation of Satan. He was here on the earth before the earth was created. And God has set an appointed time for that darkness to be eliminated forever. So when you see, when you read in, in, in the, the latter part of the verse 4, he said, And he separated light from darkness. So God created everything out of light. Everything that God created, he created out of the light. But when God created everything out of the light, because darkness was still there, so what did he do? He separated light from darkness because there was a set time for the spirit of darkness to be bound forever. And as we go, we're going to see from the book of Revelation 12 that that darkness was Satan, was the manifestation of Satan who had been cast to the earth from heaven because of his rebellion. But I don't want to digress too much. We're going to tackle all these things, but we're laying some foundation for us to understand that in order for anything to be built here on earth, number one, in accordance with the will of God, it, number one, it requires the presence of the Spirit of God, and number two, it requires the Word of God. 
And we have several evidence. This is why when you gave your life to Christ, the first thing God gave you was a deposit of his spirit. He put his spirit in you because he wanted to transform your life. And then the word, glory to God. He said, all right, my Lord said, I'll give you a new spirit. I will transform your heart from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. That's your spirit. I'll give you a new spirit. And then I'll write my laws. I'll write my word in your heart. Glory to God. Because without these two principal things, you cannot walk in the fullness of the glory of God. This is why Jesus had to be revealed. Because at the coming of the Lord Jesus, we receive the deposit of the spirit. This is why he told Nicodemus in John 3, that except a man is born again, they cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Because when you are born again, you receive the deposit of the spirit. Is that the Bible says, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the spirit why because in order for anything to be done here on earth in accordance with the will of god it requires number one the presence of the spirit of god and number two it requires the word of god and god has laid out these blueprints in his word and we see this right in creation the first thing he did put his spirit over to hover over the surface of the waters of the earth and number two he introduced his word. But what we're saying is that that word that was introduced was Jesus, the living word of God. You read the book of Revelation, he said that his name is the word of God. Hallelujah. And if you wanted more light, if you want more light to see who this word is, let's read a few more verses of John 1. Then he goes ahead to tell us a man who came to introduce this light of God. Is that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him all might believe. Now the verse 8. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to that light. The verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And I want, to I want you to pay attention to starting from the verse 10 going. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him. So now, if you did not understand from Genesis 1 and John 1, the first few verses, that Jesus, that the world was created through Christ, there you have it. He said, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And I want you to pay attention to that. Why didn't the world recognize him through whom we were made? Because the world became corrupted by the spirit of darkness, which we're going to see in, in, in our teachings. So what we do have here is that Jesus, everything was made through Christ. This is why we preach Christ. This is why the gospel is for everyone. This is why I don't consider the gospel a religion. I don't consider Jesus being a religion. It is life because through him, all things were made, including man. And we do see from Genesis. And God said, and God said, the creation of man, the verse 20 says, Then God said, let us make mankind our own image. It was preceded by the word of God. And what scripture is telling us is that word was Jesus, the son of God. And it says that this Jesus, everything else was made through him. Everything was made through him, but the world did not recognize him. I want you to take note of that. We're going to address that later on. Then he says, now jump into the verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, 
to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So he's talking about a different kind of children. You see that there is a saying that, that people will say that we are children of God. You know, in one sense of the word, according to scripture, it doesn't square. The Bible calls those who have received the Lord Jesus Christ and those who have believed in his name, the people who have the right. You have the right to become a child of God. But I also want you to take notice of something here. Having a right to something does not necessarily mean that the thing automatically becomes yours. If you have a right to vote, until you have casted your vote, your vote does not count. So having a right to something does not necessarily mean that that thing automatically falls on you. You have to exercise your right. So by just receiving him, by just believing in his name, does not mean that you have automatically become the child of God. You have the right to become the child of God. So here is the gospel. The full light of how to become a child of God is seen in Romans 10. The scripture says, This is the message of faith. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. That the word is near you, that it is in your mouth and in your heart. That if you believe that Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures and that he was raised to life for your justification and you speak that with your mouth because he says it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So the moment you believe, you have the right. But until you make that confession, you are not saved. Now, this also explains why People can go to church for a long time without necessarily being born again. They can go to church as a religious thing, as something that their family have been doing for a long time. And so he was born in it, and, and so therefore they go to church. But going to church does not necessarily mean that you are born again. You may have heard about Jesus. You may even believe in Jesus. But until you make that confession... It does not become a reality in your life. Why? Because the spoken word of God has been set as a standard to translate the purpose of God out of the spirit into manifestation in the natural. And we saw that right in creation. The presence, there was the presence of the spirit of God. But until God said, this is what Romans 10 tells us. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith. What do you profess? That you believe that Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures and that he was raised to life for your justification and you confess him as Lord over your life, then that then now you become a child of God. Then the Spirit of God takes residence in your spirit. And that's what we call the new birth. And this is what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3. He says, Unless a person is born of water and the spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does being born of water mean? He was talking about what John the Baptist preached. We just read in John 1 that John came as a witness to that light. 
And what did John witness? He said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is greater than I. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Glory to God. What John is saying is that until that you have repented of your sins, you do not receive the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Christ. What does repentance mean? Repentance means just to turn around. If you look at the original Greek word, it means just to turn around. Which means that you were not a believer of Christ. Now turn around turn around and believe everything he did for you on the cross. Then once you believe that and you profess that with your mouth, then now the Holy Spirit can now take residence in you. And that was what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus was a man who was a teacher of the law. He knew God. They had the presence of the Spirit of God in the innermost part of the temple. But he was not born again. So Jesus was showing him the path to salvation. That you are a teacher of the law. But in this new covenant, in order for you to enter the kingdom of God, you have to, number one, be born again. And the new birth is that you believe that Jesus died for your sins. That's the repentance. You repent. He said, Unless you're born of water and the spirit, you do not enter the kingdom of God. Once you do that, then the Holy Spirit now takes residence in you. Why is this important and relevant to what we're discussing here? The reason this is important is the world that I'm trying to explain to you is that God, no life will be transformed in accordance with the will of God without the spirit of God. The first thing God does when he wants to transform a person's life is to give the person access to his spirit. Access to the, that which is of the spirit. And so we see the lives of a centurion called Cornelius in Acts 10. The Bible says he was a devout man because there are, you know, as we step out, we, we, we hear people who say, well, well, they believe there is a God. They just don't believe in this Jesus. And they pray to God. People say all those things. But the Bible puts the, the, the example of Cornelius in the scriptures for us to understand that you can believe in God all you want, but Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And so the Bible tells us that Cornelius was a man, a devout man, a good man, a centurion. And the Bible says he prayed to God daily and did good by the poor. He did all good things. But the first thing God did when he wanted to transform Cornelius' life, he revealed himself to him through the Spirit, through an angel, and says, send for men to a place, uh, uh, to a seashore, uh, for a man named Peter, who will come and give you words by which you and your household may be saved. We are saved by the enduring word of God. The word, again. So what we're saying is that in order for anything to be transformed, number one, it requires the presence of the Spirit of God, and number two, it requires the introduction of the word of God. So for any foundation for life to be laid here on earth in accordance with the will of God, then that life requires the spirit of God and that life requires the word of God. God wanted to transform Cornelius's life and he wanted Cornelius to receive his spirit because that's the first thing. First things first. When God wanted to transform the earth, the first thing he put there was his spirit. So the Bible says when Peter went to Cornelius' household and he started testifying how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and fire and power. And how he went about doing good and healing all. The Bible says as he spoke, the Holy Spirit fell on every one of them. They were baptized in the Spirit. 
they receive the new birth and also receive the baptism of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit at the same time. Hallelujah. Because there are diversities of operations of the Spirit. That is what happened in Cornelius' household. Why? Because Cornelius knew God. He prayed to God, but he was not born again. And because without the new birth, you do not receive the presence of the Spirit of God in order to lay a solid foundation for your life. Because for any foundation to be laid in accordance with the will of God, then that foundation requires the Spirit of God. So the first thing God did, he knew Cornelius' heart. He knew that he was a good man in the natural. But the Bible says it is not, it, it is not the works that justifies us before God. It is by faith. And that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It is faith that saves us. But that faith comes by the word of God. Because the word has been set as a standard for anything of God, the will of God, to be manifested out of the spirit into 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 manifestation in the natural. What is the relevance of this again? What we're saying is that God's will has been revealed to us through Christ Jesus. That no matter where you are in life, no matter where you're going through, if anything you're going through will be transformed by God, it requires the, the first, the presence of the Spirit of God, and number two, it requires the word of God. But that word, that word of salvation, the reason why Cornelius could receive the word was because the word had already been fulfilled. Remember what we spoke about? That when God said, let there be light, he spoke his word. He did not only speak the word, but he acted on the word. Salvation also stands now as a fulfilled word of God. This is where everyone who is born again, they don't have to do anything. All they have to do is hear the word, believe it, and speak it with your mouth. So this is why anyone who is born again, most people who are born again, a man of God tells them, repeat this after me. They say, pray this prayer. It's not really a prayer. It is a, 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 it's a, it's a, a profession of faith, a confession of faith. Because it says it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It is not prayer. It is faith proclamation because the word salvation stands as a fulfilled word through Christ. Why is it a fulfilled? Before any word will be fulfilled, the word should have been first spoken, that the word of God should have been first been act, uh, secondly acted on. And we do see Isaiah and the prophets spoke about the Lord Jesus. So you saw that when Isaiah was speaking in Isaiah 53, he spoke as though Jesus was already crucified. Jesus had already taken out our pain and bore our suffering. That's what he spoke. But when he spoke, Jesus did not appear. So we see in Matthew 8 that that word, especially for healing, was fulfilled. So when Isaiah spoke the word, Jesus, in the fullness of time, Jesus came acted on those words and was crucified on the cross. Which means now we have the word being spoken. Now we have the word being acted on. The word is a source of faith and faith without works is dead. So God spoke his word through the prophets that God acted on the word through Christ Jesus that now salvation exists as a fulfilled word of God. And therefore through Christ, now the promise of the spirit 
is available to everyone who's, who wants their life to be transformed by God. And so now by the receiving of the word of God, by the believing of the word of God, that's as we, we read in John 1 verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Why? Because this Jesus acted on the word which had been spoken and the word was fulfilled and when the word has been fulfilled through christ it now stands as a promise and romans 4 16 tells us therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace so that it may be guaranteed this is why romans then says that it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith so salvation is a faith confession because you believe that jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures and that he was raised to life for your justification the moment you believe that you are justified you have the right but until you make that confession, it does not become a reality. The Spirit of God will not take residence in you. But the moment you make that confession, and then the Bible says, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, now comes to dwell inside of you. The presence of the Spirit of God in you, by the new birth, is a sign that God wants to transform your life. This is why when we go out, the first message we preach is not prosperity. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in, 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 Corinth, in the Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I came with the first message. First things first. First, Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was raised to life for your justification. So that when you believe that, then you are saved. The first message is salvation because people want their life to be transformed and your life cannot be transformed by God without the Spirit of God. So when you receive the new birth, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. Then now you have access to the things of God. You have access to that which God has prepared for you in the Spirit. And so the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has in store for those who love him so these are the things god has revealed to us by his spirit he gives you his spirit so that you can have access to everything that he has for your life this is why i love the gospel i am of the firm opinion i fully believe this word that in order for any life to be transformed if you want to live a life full of peace full of joy full of the provision of the lord the first thing you have to do is receive the new birth the moment you receive the new birth then now you are marked for the blessing of god you have gotten access to the first principal thing which is the spirit of god for anything to be transformed here on earth it requires first the presence of the Spirit of God, as we see in creation. Then now, what you need, in order for that which is of the Spirit, that which you have access to, to become a reality in your life, is the Word of God. And so when God wanted to transform the earth, as we saw in Genesis 1, the Bible says He put His Spirit to hover over it. But we do see that even though there was the presence of the Spirit of God, but nothing had happened. And this is why we see a lot of frustration in the lives of so many Christians. They have already given their lives in times past. And they go through so many challenges. We all do have challenges in life. But the Bible says, this is the victory that has overcome the world. First John 5 verse 4. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. Not even our spirit. Even our faith. Not even, even our, by the spirit. You already have the spirit, but now by faith, you can walk in the fullness of what God has given you. It is by faith 
that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. It is by faith that we can take authority. It is by faith that we can have dominion here on earth. And that faith comes from not our what we think, not what others are telling us, not by the situation, not by the intelligence of men, not by the intelligence of academics. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God because the word reveals Christ. So the moment you believe the word and you speak the word and you act on the word of God, what you're doing is that now you are translating the power of the word of God, the glory of the Lord into your life. This is why when the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 3, he says, You foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? After starting by means of the Spirit, are you not trying to finish by means of the flesh? He said, Did God work miracles among you by believing what you heard or by the works of the law? What did they hear? The Word of God. So the miracles happen by the Word of God. This is when we go out and preach the gospel. Miracles happen. People are healed, the lame walk, the blind see, because the word translates the purpose of God out of the spirit into manifestation in the natural. You never hear anywhere where somebody was healed without the word of God. Anytime there is a manifestation of the spirit of God, there is always the introduction of the word of God. This is why we preach. This is why Jesus himself preached. And I'll give you another practical example. If you want to know that this word, why we, we preach this word, why we focus on the word, because many have given their lives to Christ and yet their lives are still not transformed. Many have given their lives to Christ and yet they're still conforming to the ways of the world because they have not come into knowledge of the word of God. I am a living testimony. My whole life I've been transformed by the word of God. By the word of God. And I'll give you a practical example. Matthew 4. Matthew 4, the scripture says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, I want, you to, I want us to combine the account of Matthew and Luke. It's the same scripture. Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Luke says, Luke was a doctor. Luke said, Jesus, full of the Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And you read the account of Jesus' temptation. Anything that Satan threw at Jesus... The Bible said, Jesus said, it is written. Jesus was quoting scripture. Jesus leveraged the word to overcome the temptation of the enemy. And what do you who do you think you are? You think you can overcome the challenges of the enemy by just the spirit alone? Jesus was full of the spirit, but he could not overcome Satan by the spirit of God alone. Why? Because in order for the glory of God to be manifested, in order for the will of God to be done, number one, that thing requires the presence of the Spirit. So Jesus was full of the Spirit. But the Spirit being full of the Spirit is not enough. He also needed the Word. Hallelujah. Because the Word is the source of faith. And it is by faith. The scripture tells us in Ephesians 6. That now take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so Jesus knew that. He knew that it is the Word. Which is the sword of the Spirit. That can drive away Satan. So anytime Satan threw a temptation, he said, it is written. It is written, the word of God. Now he had leveraged the two principal things we're talking about. The spirit of God, because he was full of the spirit. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus could not fulfill his ministry here on earth without the Holy Spirit. So God had to anoint him. 
The Bible says, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus had to be first have the spirit. And number two, he had to leverage the word. So this tells us that the word, the spirit first and the word have been set as the standard for anything that will be done here on earth in accordance with the will of God. And so therefore, what we're saying is that, and why should we trust the word of God? Before I go into that, now we have seen from, from Genesis 1 that the principal things are the spirit of God and the word of God and that they are relevant for the glory of God to be revealed here on earth. And that God leveraged these principal things to create everything as we know it. But that word is Jesus. And Bibles, and what we, we also see, we're going to see later on, is that God gave man access to it. Even in during creation, when he created Adam, he gave Adam access to his spirit and he gave Adam access to his word. And so because God gave man access to these two things, God blessed man and God expected man to be fruitful, multiply and have dominion here on earth and live in the fullness of his blessings. This means that even though you may not, something may not be going right in your life, that you're figuring out, you're trying to figure out how to solve this problem. The first thing I want you to ask yourself is, do I have the word of God? If you're born again, if you're not born again, the first thing you need in order to be able to stand against Satan, you need the spirit of God. And number two, you need the word of God. So if you don't have the spirit of God, the way to the spirit, to receiving the spirit of God is the new birth that I just mentioned. But if you have the spirit of God, you are born again. You believed in Christ Jesus. You've confessed him as Lord and Savior. The next question I want you to ask, I want you to ask yourself is, do I know what the word of God says concerning that situation? Do I know it? Because what we read in John 1 verse 3 says, there was nothing that was made without the word of God. If Jesus had to leverage the word in order to resist Satan, then that means that in order for us to be able to overcome every temptation of the enemy, every attack of the enemy, we need the word also, as if you are born again. Why? Why is this? Why, why can we? Why, why should we do that? Because we trust God. And the Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Malachi 3 tells us that God does not change. So if God leveraged his spirit and his word to lay the foundation for life here on earth. And Jesus leveraged the spirit and the word to overcome Satan. Then that means that if any person comes to the understanding of the spirit and the word, which we call the principal things, then that person can apply those, those two principles or principal things, the spirit of God and the word of God, if the person applies it according to the word of God, then that person should expect to be fruitful, expect to multiply, and expect to have dominion over every situation in their lives. Why? 
because God's word is true. And as we just referenced that he does not change. The Bible says he's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. And if you have the spirit of God and the word of God, the Bible says he is God. God is alert and active, watching over his word to perform it. In Jeremiah 1 verse 12, God watches over his word to perform it. And so the Bible tells us that God worked with the apostles and confirmed his word through signs and wonders and various miracles. If you want to receive a miracle in your life, if you have the spirit of God, then your next source is you need access to the word of God. But the word is fulfilled. And I want us to take notice of this. The word of God is only fulfilled in the lives of those who have received it. And not only that, those who have also believed it and those who have put it into practice. We understood that the word is the source of faith. But faith without works is dead. So you can have all the faith you want, but until you release that faith, you do not receive the benefit of, the, of, of, of God. How do you release your faith? Romans then gives us a practical example that the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. But somebody may, may, may ask, how do I know? How, how can I believe the word of God? This thing keeps bothering me. And we're going to tackle this from a very practical point of view. Because we go, we, all of us go through challenges in life. And there are certain situations that you're going through. You don't even have the, me, the room mentally to even think, let alone allow the word of God in. God knows that. The Bible says that Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 2, he says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shed in our humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. Jesus went through what we went through. So he knows how we, feel, how we feel. This is why he's become our apostle and our high priest interceding for us. He knows what we go through. So the Bible says, so that he might have mercy. He might become a faithful, merciful high priest in service to God. So he knows so that he said, then we should come boldly so that we may find mercy and grace in our time of need. The Bible says God is a God who desires mercy and not sacrifice. And that mercy is this, that you will humble yourself to go before him and say, Lord, I need your help. And if you go before him, how would God come to you? He will release his word. So this is why we see in Revelation 3, as it 22 or so, the Bible says that I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, we will come in. How does he stand at the door? He stands at the door by his word. Because the word we've understood is Jesus Christ. So the moment you receive this word of God, you're receiving Christ. He is the living word of God because the word reveals him. And so what we're saying is that those who receive the word, not only that, those who believe it. Because you can receive something and the thing you receive will seem to you like nonsense. And we see a very practical example in the lives of the disciples. When Jesus resurrected and the women saw Jesus and came to tell the disciples, those supposed to, supposedly to be apostles. The Bible says the words of the women seem to them like nonsense. 
they received the word, but they thought it was nonsense because the word did not make sense to a carnal mind. They had never seen anyone die and resurrect before and resurrected before. So when the woman came to say that we have seen the Lord, the Bible says the words of the woman seem to them like nonsense. The word of God is a spiritual reality. You cannot apply common sense to the word of God. It is not common sense. The Bible says, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He said, when I came to you in, first, in Corinthians, he said, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of speech or human wisdom, but I came with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The word of God is power, but that power comes by revelation. The revelation, truth, the revelatory truth of God's word. And so anyone, he says, who receives the word has to go to the next step, which is believe what the word says. Not only that, put the word into practice. Why? Because James says, we should not just be hearers of the word only. Because if you hear the word and believe it, but does not put it into practice, you have faith, but your faith is not complete. Faith is made complete in action. The scripture says, Abraham's faith and his actions, what action? Action on the word of God, we're working together. And his faith was made complete in action. And James tells us, James 1 verse 22, he says, we should not just be hearers of the word only, and so deceive ourselves. And I believe this is what is happening in, 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 in the lives of many Christians. There are people who go to church for just the religious practice of going to church. But they receive the word and that's it. They don't believe it. And so I am not surprised why there are many in the church whose lives are miserable. There are many in the church who are still going through sicknesses and are not healed. There are many in the church who are struggling because what we've seen and testified by the word is that many are hearers of the word only. And so deceive themselves. They hear the word. They even rejoice over the word. Some even shout over the word. But only a few that believe it. Because if you believe something, you put it into practice. And so James says, we should not just be hearers of the word only. And so deceive ourselves. So if you just hear the word of God and it tickles your ear, even gives you an encouragement, that's fine. But if you don't believe it, it is useless. So Jesus gives us a parable. In Mark 4, he said, a farmer goes out to sow a seed. And as he was sowing a seed, some fell along the path. The seed, later on he explains, is the word of God. You see why Jesus focused his, some of his parables on the word? Because the word is what has been set as the foundation for any purpose of God that will be fulfilled here on earth. This is what Jesus said. Not even a single letter out of this word will be taken out. Every word will be fulfilled. And it amazes me as I study scripture. If you want to understand where the world is going or the, where the current state of the world now is in scripture. So I'm not surprised by anything that is going on in the world because it's in the word. His word is true. His word is life. His word will be fulfilled. But the question is, would you be on the side of faith in line with the word of God? Or will you be in a side of disobedience or unbelief? Either way, the word of God will be fulfilled. Why? Because he said, behold, 
I lay a stone in Zion. Glory to God. A stumbling stone that causes people to stumble. What is that stone? The word. Because some will receive the word, believe it, and that stone becomes a chief cornerstone. The revelation of Christ, the glory of God is revealed in their lives. And for some, they'll reject the word and receive the curse. And that curse is Satan will have authority over your life. But if you don't want the devil to have authority over you because he stands condemned. God is not after people. He is after the devil. He wants to save us. The scripture says, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But when you believe in him, he gives you access to more, what we call the inheritance. And in that inheritance, you have authority over everything. And the reason why you have that authority is because when you believe in him, you have the spirit that now you have access to the word. And by these two principal things, as we have named them, you can now build a fruitful and fulfilling life here on earth. And so James is saying that it is the word believed and put into practice that reveals the glory of God in one's life. But I believe that everyone on the sound of my voice is a doer of the word or at least wants to be a doer of the word because that's how our lives will be transformed. If you are just hearers of the word only, Jim says we deceive ourselves. What God expects of us is not just hear the word, but believe it and put it into practice. And that's when you begin to see a burst of miracles. You begin to see things that you thought had no solution. You begin to see things that you thought was incurable. You begin to see things that you thought was impossible to happen. I've seen some of those things manifest. I've seen the hand of the Lord. I've seen things manifest as a testimony that this Jesus that we preach, that this gospel we preach is a revelation of God. That God is reconciling all things to himself through Christ. And that reconciliation is not just to believe in the name of Jesus and sit down. No, he wants to transform your life. Everything. He's interested in every aspect of your life. But the decision is yours. Everything that God will do for the earth as it's in its current state has been done. Jesus came to fulfill it. And now, because your original authority we're going to see was given to man. Man has authority here on earth, but that authority was stolen by Satan. Jesus came to restore that authority. So now in Christ, we have authority. This is why Jesus said, I give you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions in Luke 10 and to overcome all the power of the enemy. It is only in Christ that we have that authority. Without Christ, you don't have authority because the Lamb of God God has qualified him through that which he suffered and has been made perfect and now been exalted far above all rule, far above all principalities, far above all powers, far above all kingdom. That at the name of Jesus, that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the Lord is glorified through our Lord Jesus Christ and that glory we share in that glory. Jesus prayed for all those who believe in him in John 17. He said, Father, I pray for those who believe in me 
through the message of these guys. Did anyone who believes in me said, Father, protect them from the evil one. Let, let me read a few verses there for you to for you to see. But Jesus really prayed for all of us. And what we see what the prayer was for was to deliver us and protect us from anything that Satan would throw in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to John 17. John 17. The scripture says, I read a few verses here in a verse one uh, from the three verses. And then I'll jump to the relevant parts uh, so that we can move on to the next question that we'll address. Is that after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. So now we understand Jesus is going to say a prayer. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life. Listen to this. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So Jesus has already finished the work of the Father. This is what the Bible says, the, the God's work have been finished since the foundation of the earth. But even though God's work were, were finished before the foundation of the earth, that was finished in the spirit. But that which is in the spirit, in order for it to become a reality in the natural, we know it has to be translated by the word. So the prophet spoke the word, we translated it into our realm, that Jesus came, acted on the word, that now the word is fulfilled. So this is what Jesus said, the scripture says, that I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work which you gave me to do. His works have been finished since the foundations of the earth. But that work was finished in the spirit. It had to be demonstrated because the word is the source of faith. It had to be demonstrated in the natural. In the same way, your life has been set by God in heaven, in the spirit. But in order for that life which God, that perfect life which God has given you to become a reality in your life, you have to come to the point of faith. You have to come to know the word. And it is the word that retranslates the perfect will of God into your life into your life and so we see he said i brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do and now father glorify me in your presence with the glory i had with you before the world began <laughs> glory to god now the verse says i have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world they were yours you gave them to me and they have obeyed which? What was he talking about here? They have obeyed your word. So the Bible says to obey is better than to sacrifice. They have obeyed your word. It is the obedience to the word, which is believing the word and acting on the word. That is what causes this prayer to manifest in your life. Listen to this. He said, they were yours. I take that, the, the, the latter part of the verse 6 again. They were yours. You give them to me. And they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me. And they accepted them. You see? I gave them the words. See? It's all about the word. This is what I'm telling you. For anything to be transformed here on earth, it requires first the presence of the Spirit of God and then the word of God. 
These are the two principal things that set the foundation for life here on earth. So whatever you're going through, look. If you're a believer, look for the word. Look for the word of God. What does the word of God say concerning that situation? Then you have a solid foundation for faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. James says, without faith, it is impossible to receive anything from God. He said, a person who, who doubts is like the wave of the sea. That person should not expect to receive anything from God. So he says, now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. You see? So you have to accept it. Number, now let's go on. He said, they knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. So you see, they accepted and now they believed. You see, the same pattern that we're seeing from John 1 verse 12. Yet to all who did receive, if you accept something, you receive it. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right. So you see the pattern here. Accept, there's receive, and then believe. The believing is also very, very important because you can accept something and not believe it. And they believed that you sent me. Number nine, the verse nine, I pray for them. Now Jesus is praying for you and I. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world. And I want you to understand this. The people that Jesus is praying for are those who have accepted his word, those who have believed in him. Now, if you have, these prayers are for you. He said, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. You belong to God. You serve God because you have received the word of God. You have believed the word of God because Jesus, believing in him means you believe in his word because Jesus is the living word. So even as this word comes to you, if you are receiving it, and if you're believing it, you are believing in the words of Christ because what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So he says, I'm not praying for the word, but for those who have given me, they, for they were yours. The verse 10, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world. And I am coming to you. So Jesus is indicating here that we're still here. He's a holy father. Protect them by what? The power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Now that's the prayer. Protect them from who? The enemy, Satan. Protect them by the power of your name. The verse 12. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None of them has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. So you see here, Judas is what he's talking about here. No matter what you do, you can reject the word of God all you want. You can reject Christ all you want. The word of God, scripture, will be fulfilled. Is either you are, you, the scripture is fulfilled in your favor, or it's fulfilled to bring destruction to you. In the case of Judas, David had already prophesied concerning him that he was going to betray Jesus. David was known as a prophet and a king of God. He was a prophet of God. He prophesied concerning Judas that may his place 
be, may, his, may, may his position be replaced. And Matthias took the place of Judas. This is what Jesus was saying. The one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. People think that it is only when you don't believe the word of God, you still, you, you know, nothing happens. Still, scripture will be fulfilled because there is a consequence to not believing. That's unbelief. And there is a benefit of believing. That's then the glory of God is revealed. The verse 13, he said, I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. The verse 14, I have given them, what did he give us? Your word. <laughs> so this is how we take our place. This is how we take authority. And we're going to end with, the, the, the latter, uh, uh, with another scripture, which gives us a very practical way. Now that we've understood that the two principal things as the Spirit of God and the Word of God is required for the manifestation of the glory of God to happen here on earth. Now we understand that through Christ Jesus, we receive these things. But then we have to understand from also from the original context. Why do we now have it? Why do we have access to it in Christ? Was, it, was there access to it before? Yes, Adam and Eve had access to it. We're going to examine it. And once we examine the access that Adam and Eve ha had with regards to the Spirit of God, the two principal things, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and what was the benefit that God expected to come out of them? What did God give them because of the access they had? We're going to see that. But you, for you who are in Christ Jesus, this prayer is for you. He says that you may have the full, he said, you may have the full measure of my joy that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. The verse 14. I have given them your word, your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. So once you are believed in Christ Jesus, you are not of this world. This is why the Bible says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. The world has a way they do things. That's not our way. Our way is the way of love. Hallelujah. The world has a way that they will pray. They have a way that they will pray. They have a way that they do things. They have the way that they communicate. They have a way that they believe things. But our way is not the way of the world. It's the way of Christ. Because Christ in us, the hope of glory. Because we have received the word of God. Jesus says that, Lord, I am praying for them so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Because I have given them your word and the world has hated them. So, which means once you have access to the word of God, then you are marked for a life full of the measure of the joy of Christ. This is the mystery of the gospel. This is why I do not play with the word of God. I am fully convinced that if you can come into knowledge more of God's word than anything else in the world, your life will be a living testimony. You'll be, your life will be full of miracles. Everything that you need. Jesus said, if you remain in me, remaining in him means that you're born again. Means that you have the spirit of God in you. First things first. The first principal thing is the spirit of God. He said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then ask for anything. So you see the requirements for, for you to receive anything from God? First, remain in Christ. That's how the deposit of the spirit of God in you. Number two, if my word remain in you, 
The word is the source of faith. So if the word is in you, it means that you have believed it because the word of God will not be in your heart if you have not believed it. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified. So what Jesus is saying is that if you are in me, which is if you're born again and you have my spirit, you have the first principle things, the spirit of God, then you have my word in you. The word is a source of faith. Then now you can ask in faith because without the word, you can't ask in faith. And without faith, it is impossible to receive anything from God. This is the requirement for the glory of God. If you want to build a solid foundation for your life as we are discussing, laying the foundation for our lives, then we have to understand that these two principal things, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, are required to lay a foundation. And we're going to understand that that foundation is not, it's not limited to one thing. Everything that pertains to your life, if it is marriage, if it is childbirth, if it is finances, if it is ministry, anything that pertains to your life, in order for the glory of God to be fully manifested, you need a spirit and you need the word. Without the spirit and without the word, you will not see the manifestation of the glory of God. So Jesus says that I've given them your word. And the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer, listen to this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. So there are Christians who think that, well, you know, me and me, I must just die. You know, there's nothing good that's going to happen in my life. I just received Christ and I don't have to do anything in the world. No, Jesus said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one, Satan. They are not of the world. So even though you are in the world, but you are not of the world because you have been bought at a price through Christ. You are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Jesus said he's not of the world. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Now listen to this. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. See the word again. Jesus elsewhere, you read the verse uh, John 16 and, or John 15 or 14, you see he talks about the truth being the word, the, spirit, the Holy Spirit being the spirit of truth. And he says, because they have received me, they have believed in me. If you have believed in him and you've confessed him as Lord, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And because the Holy Spirit is in you, that spirit of truth with the word will sanctify you. And so elsewhere, he tells the disciples, you are clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. Anytime the word of God comes to you and you receive it and you believe it, you are sanctified. Glory to God. I'm not saying it. Jesus is. John 17, verse 17. You can check it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. He said, as you sent me. So somebody may ask, so if Jesus said this, he was saying this to the disciples, why are you here preaching? Listen to the verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they may be, they too may be truly sanctified. He has sent us. This is why we preach. This is why we preach. Because he has sent us. And listen to this. Because this, he was telling the, the, the disciples, soon to be apostles. But we have received the good news. And the Bible says to each one of us, grace has been given. 
Now listen to the verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. Listen to this. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So for anyone who will believe through their message. What message? The message about Christ. That all of them may be one. Father, as just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Glory to God. That the world may believe that you sent me. And how are you in Christ? How do we know that Christ is with us? John says in 1 John, his epistle, he said, we know it by the spirit he gave us. Again, we do see here by the spirit of God. So now we have answered the question that in order for the glory of God to be revealed here on earth, it requires the two principal things. Or in order for any foundation to be laid here, it requires first the presence of the Spirit of God. And number two, the Word of God. Now, let's try and understand. We understand that in Christ Jesus, we get access to the Spirit and the Word. And by these two, we'll be able to overcome the enemy. And that overcoming the enemy means overcoming every situation in your life that is not bringing you any peace. So you can think of anything in your life right now that is not bringing you any peace because Jesus said, my peace that I live with you, my peace that I give you. So if in your life right now, there is no peace, that peace, absence of peace is caused by something. That thing that is not giving you peace is not of God. God is a giver of peace. He said, I do not give you a spirit of fear. Anything that is not bringing you peace will cause a level of fear. The Bible says he's not given us a spirit of fear or cowardice, but he's given us a spirit of, of what? Of sound mind. Power and of a sound mind. That's the spirit he's given us. So anything that is not giving you any peace in your life right now is not of God. So if something is not giving you any peace, then it means now you have to tackle it. And how you tackle that thing is leveraging the spirit of God and leveraging the word of God. But you have to know how to leverage it. And that's where we're going. This is what we're talking about. The, the title is laying the foundation for your life. That everything that pertains to your life, if the foundation is not right, there will not be any peace. Your life will be shaken. You will not be steady. And what we want is stability in our lives. We want solid foundation that everything that we touch is a blessing. Hallelujah. And the word of God is what will cause everything that you touch to become a blessing. Because David saw this and spoke about this in someone. He said, blessed is the man that does not sit in the counsel of the wicked, nor take the way that sinners take, but whose delight is in the law of God. That law of God is the word of God. And he said, who meditates on the word day and night? Because if you're meditating on the word, then it means you, the word will get into you. You believe it. And you come to the point of faith. He said, that person shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that bear fruit in season. Their leaves do not weather. And whatever they do will prosper. So if you ever thought that Christ, in Christ, you would prosper, that you have it. Prosperity is part of the gospel. But the prosperity God speaks about is not covetousness, uh, covetousness where you, 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 you lust after things. No, that's not what he's talking about. It's prosperity that comes from God, that glorifies God, that seeks to help people. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at the fact that in Christ, we have access to it. Now let's look at God's original plan. 
was this was the spirit of God and the word of God always available to us? Now I want you to go to Genesis 1, the verse 26. And we're going to read from the verse 26 to the verse 28. Genesis 1, 26 to 26, uh, 28. And scripture says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the earth, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we see from the scripture that God created man in his own image. Now the question is, what is the image of God? Have you ever thought about that? What is the image of God? We know from scripture and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ that God is spirit. So the scripture is telling us that God is spirit. Now, I, I want to throw some more light and to give us more understanding uh, because, you know, there are folks that, are, that want to know more about the details of, of the word. You know, the word in itself speaks for itself. Image speaks for itself. But I want us to look at something in the original context of the word which was written. In the original Hebrew, the word for image also means replica or likeness. So if a man was made as if man or, and women were made as replica of God, see, it would not make sense. We're made in the image of God. And there are people who try to limit God with a gender. He's not a gender. God is spirit. You see, gender is just a term in the natural that we use to be able to differentiate. But God is spirit. He's not a man. Glory to God. He's not a man. He's spirit. Jesus said, God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But he created us binary. Number one, male and female. That's it. There's no in between. God is a just God. He created them. The scripture tells us male and female, he created them. Now, if man was made as a replica of God, which also means cut out of God, then it means man is a spirit being. It means we have a spirit because we're made in his image and he is spirit. So if man is spirit, then we also have to look at the other components that God made, our, made us of. We have to look at it because if he said we're made in the image of God, but we know that we have a natural nature. You see, so we have a spirit and we also have a natural nature. So we have to examine the scriptures to look at what are the components that we're made of and how we can know this is genesis 2 the verse 7 the scripture says and the lord god he made us in his own image now we get a vivid description of the other components and the lord god formed man of the dust of the ground that's the body this is why when we die this body rots back into the soil dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So we do see here the full components of our being. We were made of the dust of the ground that formed the physical body. That breath of life, I believe that breath of life contained in it the human spirit. And then the deposit of the spirit of God that allow the soul realm, that breath of life, also allow the functioning of our soul realm. Because elsewhere, 
the revelation given through the apostle Paul, we see in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says that I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord, which means we are made up of three parts. You have a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Your spirit is the inner person, what we call your conscience. The conscience is the voice of the human spirit. The, the reason why I'm bringing out these things is for you to understand because there's a little teaching, little teaching on the human spirit. Now, I've only heard one preacher talk about these things, but there is little teaching on the human spirit. So people don't know how to leverage the word of God because they don't know what the, what, whether it's something that is happening or a voice that is happening, whether it's coming from their spirit or it's coming from their mind or coming from an external source because people have not come to the understanding of the revelations of the different components of us. What we've, what we've taken is the description by the people in the world. But the people in the world, we just read John 17, Jesus said, we are not of the world. They are spiritually dead and a spiritually dead person does not know how to differentiate the human spirit from your soul realm. But we do. For instance, the speaking in other tongues, it does not come from your mind. It comes from your spirit. A practical example of things that are spiritual, love is of the spirit. Peace is of the spirit. Spiritual things cannot be seen. They can only be demonstrated in speech and action. So we read in Galatians 5, uh, Galatians 5, we read about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, can you see love? No. If you are in love with somebody, you can see it. Unless nobody else can see it, you know that you are, you are in love because love is of the Spirit. Love is of your heart. The heart here means the Spirit, not the physical organ. But that which is of the spirit is only made manifest in the natural by words and action. So this is why when people love people, they tell them, I love you. And all they demonstrate it in an action. That's the demonstration of love. Because love is of the spirit. Peace is also of the spirit. It is the person who has it, who has the evidence in it. Because it's in the heart. It's of the heart. In the same way, the spirit of man... The Bible says in Proverbs 20, the verse 27, that the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So God enlightens us through our spirit because God is spirit. And so when God breathed into man, into the nostrils of man, what happened is that man received the human spirit plus the deposit of the spirit of God in it. And then the soul realm was also formed. Now, the soul realm, the apostle Paul tells us, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body, the soul realm is ruled by the mind. So your mind or your reasoning, your intellectual reasoning, all these things operate in your soul realm. And your emotions, all of them are in the soul realm, the mental realm. That's, that's the soul realm. Then now you have this physical body. So this is why the practical example I always give people is, have you ever tried to make a decision? And you, you have looked at the facts, you know. The soul realm, which is the mind and the intellect, depends on facts in the natural. It depends on evidence that you can see with your own eyes. You see, once you can see the evidence in the, in the natural, then your mind will tell you, okay, this thing is true. That's how the human mind operates. But your spirit 
does not operate that way. Your spirit is fed through the mind. So when you see something, then you believe that that thing, then that thing before the thing gets into your heart. But God enlightens us from our spirit because God is spirit. And so how you differentiate between your spirit and your, and your soul realm is this. The conscience, the conscience is the voice of the human spirit. Have you ever tried to make a decision? You've examined all the facts. You've looked at the data. You've, seek, you've sought after counsel. Heard, heard from the people that you trust the most. And they've given you a path, you know, given you some suggestions. And now you're ready to make a decision. But something on the inside of you says no. How can you, your mind tell you that what you're about to do is good. But something on the inside of you says no. Why is that? Why is there that discrepancy? Because your spirit knows more than the mind. So that's your spirit, the inner person. And that's where life stems from. That's the heart. So the Bible tells us in Proverbs that God, your heart, what, is, what he means is this, your human spirit. God, your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Life actually stems from the human spirit. You see, the Bible says in Proverbs 18 that the spirit of a man, of a person, can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. If you want to really destroy a person, just destroy their heart, destroy their spirit. Nothing they do will be meaningful. Nothing will be meaningful to them again. You can give them all the rich riches in the world. You can give them everything in the world. As long as their heart is bound, they are useless. Because life stems from the human spirit. This is why when God takes residence in you, this is why when you're born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in your spirit. Because that's where life stems from. So what, what, what happened here is that Adam received the deposit of the Spirit of God in his spirit. God created his spirit and added his spirit to Adam. Then Adam now was created, Adam and Eve were created in a glorified state. The glorified state means that that body now is not ruled by the mind, but ruled by the deposit of the Spirit of God in it. So the human spirit was not created to be independent. It was created to house the spirit of God. This is why Adam had fellowship with God. But the moment Adam sinned, what happened? He got separated from God. The spirit of God left him. And now he was left with his human spirit. And this is what has led to all the calamities we face in the world today. The wickedness. Because now the human spirit, which was not supposed to be independent, can now be influenced by either the spirit of God or by the spirit of darkness. This is why we preach Christ. Because once anyone is born again and they receive the deposit of the spirit of God, now the spirit of darkness cannot influence them easily. There are Christians who are being influenced by the spirit of darkness because they are not knowledgeable about the word of God. This is why we said that in order for the will of God to be fulfilled in your life, number one, you need the spirit of God. And not only that, even though there might be the presence of the spirit of God, that does not necessarily mean that Satan will not control you unless you know the word. Because it is the word that we use to resist him. But God first put his spirit in you as a sign that he wants to transform your life.
And we see the light of this even in the beginning. Adam had the spirit of God in him. And the man of God says this, which I believe is true. He says, Adam was asked to name all the animals God created. How could Adam move and name all these animals? Unless by the spirit. Because in a glorified state, and if you want to see an example of a glorified state, that is the state that Jesus resurrected in. So the, the apostle Paul said, we shall be like him as he is. John even testifies to that. That Jesus, the way Jesus resurrected, when he comes, we will all, the Bible says, we'll be transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. Hallelujah. We'll be transformed into the image of God because what we do have now, the body we have now, the state we have now is the fallen state. And this fallen state, this is what the Bible says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor the perishable inherit the imperishable. When Adam fell from spiritual from spiritual life to spiritual death, then now the God of the dead, Satan, begins to rule, began to rule over the lives of people. So this is why you can have stillbirth. You can have children born with all these conditions. You can have people born, born with a deformed heart because now Satan has become the God of this age. But the Bible said, Jesus come that they may have life and have it to the fullness. But the life starts with this, the receiving of the deposit of the spirit of God and getting access to the word of God and leveraging the word for the glory of God to be revealed in your life. So for the last four minutes that we have, I want us to tackle this. So Adam had the presence of the spirit of God. So now we do see here that he had the spirit. The Bible said God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being. Now, how do we know? Then what happened again? So we do see here that first principle thing. That the Spirit of God was in Adam. But what we're saying is that in order for any foundation to be laid, one, you need the presence of the Spirit of God, and number two, you need the Word of God. How do we know that Adam got access to the Word of God? Now let's go to Genesis 1.28. After God created them, the preamble to that is, if you read the verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So that's, that's, that's the preceding verse, the verse 27. Now the verse 28, he says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, You see here again, God saying to them is God giving them his word. So now he's created them in his image, which means the image of God is spirit. So now they have the spirit of God in them, and now, because they have the Spirit, but they can't do anything but the Spirit of God alone. They need a word. So what did God do? He blessed them and gave them His word. The Bible says, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the earth, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see from the scripture. That because of the access that Adam and Eve had to the two principal things. Number one, the spirit of God. And number two, the word of God. God gave them this instruction. Be fruitful and multiply. 
This fruitfulness and multiplication is not limited to childbirth. It is not limited to one thing. It pertains to everything that influences everything that affects your life. Because he says, Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the earth, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Which means, everything that affects your life. Whether the thing is in the earth, whether the thing is, over the, is, is from water, whether the thing is on the, in the ground. Everything that influences your life, have dominion over it. But that dominion came as a result of them having access to the Spirit of God and access to the Word of God. So in conclusion, this means that in order for you to build a fruitful life, anything you do here on earth to be fruitful and multiply and even have dominion, he said you have dominion. Which means if anything is ruling your life, if anything in this sickness is ruling your life, if anything is not bringing you peace, it means it's having dominion over you. But God expects you to have dominion over it. Why? Because now through Christ Jesus, you have the deposit of the Spirit of God in you and you have the Word of God in you. So he says, you are blessed because now you can be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over that situation. Which means... In order for you to be fruitful and have dominion or, mot- or fruitful and multiply and have dominion over anything concerning your life, you need the Spirit of God and you need the Word of God. It's so all because of the time I'll end this part of the message here. And we'll pick it up next week, God willing. By the grace of God, next week we're going to tackle. Now we have understood these two principal things. We're going to pick each of these two principal things. We're going to look at the Spirit of God. And then we're going to look at the Word of God. How to leverage it. How does the Spirit of God work? How do I get access to the Spirit of God? How do I yield to the Word of God? What are the manifestations of the Spirit? What are the gifts of the Spirit? Because the Bible says to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Then now the Word of God. What are the different forms of the Word? How do I know how to leverage the Word? How do I leverage the Word of God in the situation that I'm facing? Then you're going to know. That's where the miracles begin to break forth. That is when the glory of God begins to manifest in people's lives. This is why the gospel is always marked with signs and wonders. Because there is the presence of the Spirit of God. And there is the introduction of the Word of God. The Bible said the entrance of His Word giveth light. The light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. But even now, if you are the sound of my voice, I want to pray for you. If you're going through any situation right now, that you seem to not have any solution. You've tried everything, but it's not working. You, you have asked people. You have prayed. You have done everything, but it's not working. Jesus says you are clean because of the word that has been spoken to you. The glory of the Lord is in this place. The spirit of the Lord is in this place. So I want you to touch your heart right now. But wherever the word of God is preached, there is an anointing. There's a greater anointing of the Holy Ghost in that place. The Holy Spirit is in this place. The Lord Jesus in this place is in this place. The Bible says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went about doing good. He wants to do good in your life. So now I want to pray with you. I want to release, join my faith with you and release the word of faith. For the manifestation of the glory of God. For the manifestation 
Because you have received the word. Because you have believed the word. You are marked for the blessing. You are marked for fruitfulness. You are marked for dominion life. So Heavenly Father, I present everyone at the sound of my voice to you. That in the name of Jesus, Lord, you have spoken your word. And we did not speak the word out of our own mind, out of our own understanding. But by the Spirit of oh God, you have spoken to your people. I present everyone at the sound of my voice that took their time to hear your word. I pray in the name of Jesus. If there is any situation that is not being resolved, the Bible says that the entrance of your word give out light. Oh, that you do not send your word in vain, but always come to fulfill that which you desire and accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. Oh, let your purpose be fulfilled in your life. I command that situation to be resolved right now. In the name of Jesus, if there is any path that anyone is on that is causing confusion, that is destroying their lives, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. The Bible says you are the God who is able to give life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Any deeds of darkness, I stand in the name of Jesus. The Bible says the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. By the power of your word, I command that deed of darkness to be dissipated right now in the name of Jesus. Satan, you hear me, the spirit testifies that you stand condemned. You don't have any authority over anyone at the sound of my voice. I command your deeds to be dissipated right now. I command you not to flee right now in the name of Jesus. If there is anyone at the sound of my voice who needs healing, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you now. The healing power of the Lord Jesus is in this place. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and how he went about doing good and healing and healing and healing. So the healing power of the Lord Jesus is in this place and I want to join my faith with you. I want you to touch the place where those symptoms are, where that condition is. The scripture says in Isaiah 53 that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Bible said the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his stripes we are healed. Not going to. You are healed. And the scripture says in Matthew 8. From the verse 14 when the Lord Jesus went into Peter's house. That Peter's mother-in-law was done with a fever. And the Bible says he bent over her. And rebuked the fever. Immediately. Not tomorrow. Immediately. The fever left her. Glory to God. Glory to her, that condition is leaving that body right now. But the Bible says in the evening they brought all the sick people. And the Lord Jesus healed all of them, not some of them. And the Bible says this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. So healing is also a fulfilled word of God. So I command you now, you see the darkness, you spirit of infirmity. To get out of the body right now. Every symptom of pain. Every symptom of chronic condition. I rebuke you now in the name of Jesus. Come out of those tissues right now. You don't have any authority over anyone at the sound of my voice. The word has been fulfilled through Christ. Because himself. Himself. Jesus of Nazareth. Took up their infirmities and bore their diseases. Oh Father I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the manifestation of your glory. Thank you Lord Jesus. Master healer. That you touch those tissues. Right now, oh great mighty Holy Spirit, you will testify to the word. Oh, let the anointing of the word, the healing anointing of the Lord Jesus is touching those tissues right now. And setting you free. I rebuke any condition. I rebuke any remnant of symptoms. Come out of that body right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. 
I thank you for your glory that has been revealed in this place. That in this day, oh God, your name has been glorified. That you have glorified the Son of God in this place. That all will know that indeed Jesus is still the same yesterday and today and forevermore. That you are still proclaiming the word. That you are still healing the sick. You are still delivering. You are still performing miracles. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for your glory in this place. My God, we give you all the praise and your glory. And if you are the son of my voice, I want you to lift up your hand with he, to him and glorify him. That he has done these things. Father, we thank you for what you have done in this place. We thank you for your glory that has been revealed. That by the power of your spirit and by the power of your word, that you have transformed lives. You have spoken in the lives of people. That you have resolved every problem. Because with you, all things are possible. With you, all things are possible. We thank you that you have heard us this morning. That you have spoken to us. That you have revealed yourself unto us through your word. That you have transformed our lives. That we have not left this place the same way we came in. But we have been fed of you. We have enjoyed your goodness. In Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you for joining me.